2023 Board of Directors meetings for the Transbay Joint Powers Authority. I'd like to call our meeting to order. Carsey, could you do the honor of roll call, please? Thank you, Chair G. Uh, Director John Baptiste is expected but not here yet. And with that, I'll go ahead and call roll. Director El Tawanzi? Here. El Tawanzi present. Director Forbes? Present. Forbes present. Director John Baptiste is expected. Director Lipkin? Present. Lipkin present. Director Syed? Here. Syed present. Director Tumlin? Here. Tumlin present. Vice Chair Mandelman? Present. Mandelman present. Chair G? Present. G present. Directors, we have quorum. Go ahead and call your next item. Please. Item three, uh, directors, item three is communications. We would like to note the process for members of the public to make public comment. Members of the public may comment on the meeting during public comment periods in person or remotely. The call-in line is provided as a courtesy, and its availability may be disrupted due to technical difficulties or otherwise. In-person public comment will be taken first. Remote public comment will be taken after the public comment public comment, comment call in line, pardon me, is printed on the agenda and dialing instructions should be scrolling at the bottom of your screen on SFGov TV. With that, are there any communications? Carsey, I do have one if there's, <clears throat> Carsey, I just wanna say thank you for your service to the TJPA and to the board of directors. This is your last meeting with us, I believe, before yeah. you take on your new assignment. Thank you. MTC, mm -hmm. so. Thank you for all that you've done and best wishes on your next chapter. Thank you, Chair G, and thank you to all of the directors being so patient while I was in training. Um, apparently the training went really well, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and thank you to Neela and Adam, while I have a moment, um, for your leadership. It's been great working at the TJPA, so. So in exchange, can we ask MTC for another 100 or $200 million? <laughs> I know my assignment. <laughs> I think it should be a compensation draft pick. Yes. <laughs> All right. If there are no other communications, I will check the room for public comment. Seeing no public comment in the room, I will check online. All right, seeing no member of the public online who would like to comment, I'll go ahead and call your next item. Item four is Board of Directors New and Old Business. Directors, I'm not aware of any. Please continue. Okay. Item five is Executive Director's Report. Executive Director Adam Vandewater will address you. Good morning, directors. Welcome, Director John Baptiste. Thank you for being here today. It's a crazy day out on the roadways, so I'm glad you all were able to make it on time. Um, uh, if ever there was a reminder why we need to continue to invest in our roadways and transit systems, it's when they get overloaded like it seems they were this morning. Um, I wanna second the chair's acknowledgement and thanks to Carsey for her time here. Um, She's mercifully not going far, only a block up the street to be uh, continuing her clerk duties with the Metropolitan Transportation Commission. So uh, we hope to continue to see her in and around the building um, and uh, with our meetings at MTC. Um, as we approach the procurement phase of the downtown rail extension portal project, we need to build the capacity of our finance team 
and I'm happy to report that we've made significant progress since our last meeting. Last month, we promoted our own senior accountant, uh, Davina Vrazia, to interim finance manager and welcomed Lai Chan to the finance and accounting, and accounting team and posted two new positions, uh, one for our chief financial officer and a second for our management analyst um, and uh, on our website and on LinkedIn and are about to post a third for the procurement compliance manager. So I want to thank the entire finance team for their hard week, hard work as we build up this capacity, uh, especially Davina, Carolyn, Herschel, Neela, and Mary Pryor. Um, and we'll look to the board and to those listening to help distribute our openings widely and help us identify some stellar candidates to uh, join our team as we enter the next phase. At the Transit Center, uh, last month we celebrated Transit Month with our transit operators, uh, which allowed us to showcase the Transit Center and the Portal Project to the public. There was a lot of enthusiasm for the revival of the project, and we spoke to a steady stream of visitors uh, at our table at Caltrain's SFEMU event, where I understand there were over 4,500 uh, excited uh, passengers, neighbors, and, and riders of the new EMU system down at the 4th and King Rail Yards, um, as well as an event in our park uh, with our current and future transit operators. Uh, the top 20 riders to the Transit Center uh, will be awarded an opportunity to win a tour of our six-level facility, including the two-level train box, uh, at the SF Transit Riders Ride Contest this Friday, tomorrow the 13th, and we look forward to bringing them through the center later this month. Speaking of our current transit operators, we want to extend our congratulations to AC Transit as they were recognized as 2023's Outstanding Public Transit System at the American Public Transportation Association's 2023 Annual Conference earlier this week. Uh, and you'll see a photograph of the team, including one of our, our former board members uh, later on in today's agenda. Uh, this reflects the steadfast work of their 2,200 employees, including bringing Transbay riders from the East Bay into the third floor deck of our transit center. Uh, regarding the downtown rail extension, uh, we continue to advance the pro project, also known as the portal, in the Federal Transit Administration's Capital Investment Grant Program. Uh, last month, the team submitted required documentation for FTA to complete its readiness review and rating of the project under the Capital Investment Grant. And just last week, they concurred with our assessment of the project's readiness. Um, this is a strong signal for receiving the portal's project rating and entry into its engineering phase in the December timeframe. Once in the engineering phase, we'll be positioned to ask for a full funding grant agreement in the fall of 2024 prior to its execution in spring 2025, assuming we identify all the remaining matching funds, which I'll speak to later in today's agenda as requested in our last board meeting. To that end, we continue to track and seek funding for the project to ensure we meet our matching uh, funding requirements. Uh, regionally, this includes working with the Metropolitan Transportation Commission on an update to their major project advancement policy. Just yesterday, the Programming and Allocations Committee uh, met and recommended uh, allocations of TIRCP, or Transit Intercity Regional Capital Program, uh, cap and trade funds, uh, and we've requested that they consider moving the portal to level one priority instead of its current status as level two to recognize our 50% matching requirements we have in hand, as well as our advanced state of readiness. They also expect to update their bipartisan infrastructure law framework uh, in the November timeframe, and we hope they'll consider endorsing our current mega application. Um, and staff has indicated that they will revisit those endorsement uh, recommendations uh, at the commission in November. Finally, we're excited to bring you several items in the coming months to advance uh, the project, the DTX project, to an advanced state of readiness and reduce several of the remaining schedule risks identified by the project management oversight consultant in our May risk workshop. 
the first of which we'll discuss in items 9 and 10 today, consider, to consider approving a request for qualifications for our progressive design build for the civil tunnel contract and to adopt a conflict of interest policy for design build uh, procurements. Look forward to your comments on those items, and you'll see in the look ahead there are a number of other items to advance the project in our coming months. Uh, happy to answer any questions uh, to date before we turn it over to Ari Walsh for the facility operations update. Adam, thank you. Directors, any questions? Not seeing any. Ari, what's going on at the facility? Before we hear from facility director Walsh, I would just like to note for the record that uh, Director John Baptiste has arrived, Chair. Good morning, Chair G and directors. I'm Ari Walsh, the TJPA Facility Director, here with your October update. Uh, starting off with our popular programs, we had the Fleet Week Band, who performed last week and uh, avoided our government shutdown, which was fantastic. And then shortly before that, we actually had the Alice in Wonderland Math Quest, uh, which was fantastic because it brought a majority of people from out of county, which is one big goal of uh, putting on all these great events. Uh, as Director Vandewater had mentioned, we had a tabling called Let's Talk Transit, where we got together with a variety of our partners and had a really good time in the park uh, getting the word out. Speaking of, you might notice some friendly faces on this slide. Our colleagues at AC Transit uh, won the Outstanding Public Transportation System Award, and it's clear why, because they really do provide great service. Upcoming performances, so we've got three uh, upcoming performances in October, and then we get a little bit lighter in the month of November. Uh, this Sunday, we've got Post Ballet, followed by Banda Sin Nombre with a drag show and musical performance the Saturday after on the 21st, and then a silent disco to wrap up the, the month for Halloween. Uh, also, we've got live music on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, so it's pretty much always a good time at the Transit Center and the park. Uh, just giving some intuition to traffic trends, what we're seeing around San Francisco and around the country with regards to return to work. I thought these uh, next couple slides were really informative. After Dreamforce and a variety of uh, events like Fleet Week, we did see some nice upticks in uh, office occupancy. And here, the, the nice thing in a positive light is San Francisco had the biggest increase in the country at 1.1%, beating the average by one whole percent. The week after, we had a little bit of tapering and uh, it sounds a little funny to say, but uh, San Francisco did the least bad. Uh, we had a drop of 0.2, and then Austin is the only one who continued to increase. But again, seeing some positive numbers coming up out um, from all the activity that we had over the last few weeks. Uh, again, interestingly, uh, the, the drop that we saw in October, the first week of October, was almost completely due to um, fewer people coming in on Mondays. And that the Monday percentage drop was almost 3%, and everything else stayed fairly level. So it seems like folks are avoiding those Mondays, but coming in other days. Uh, Friday, however, continues to be the lightest day of the week. And we're still looking for things to do and to promote, to 
increase activity on Fridays, especially for our retail tenants. Speaking of retail tenants, uh, moving quickly through this. So uh, Modi, which was previously called Via Vi by Aqualina, just got a new uh, logo. And they put it up yesterday. And we're still looking for them to open in the next couple of months. Uh, Bear Bottle, that uh, Delicious looking beer and pretzel in the background is going to be opening in the Grand Hall a little bit after Modi, probably in the winter, maybe even the beginning of 2024. Very much looking forward to that, especially as the weather gets colder and people will want to go inside. And then as usual, want to make sure we have a shout out for our current tenants. And with that, I'm happy to answer any questions. All right. Thank you. Directors, any questions? I'm not seeing. All right, thank you very much. Thank you so much. <clears throat> All right. Thank you. Oh, that concludes the items under the director's report. Thank you. At this time, I'll check for uh, public comment. I'll start by checking in the room. Seeing no one in the room, I will check online. Seeing no public comment online, that concludes the item. Thank you. Directors, item six is the Citizens Advisory Committee update. NCAC Chair Brian Larkin is here to address you. Uh, uh, good morning, Chair G, Vice Chair Mandolin, board members. I'm Brian Larkin, Chair of the TJPACAC, and today I'm reporting on our meeting of the day before yesterday, October 10th. Our agenda included Lily Majus Wu's staff report, facility operations update, downtown rail extension procurement schedule and process, and the work plan schedule and updates. Ms. Majus Wu gave the staff's report on their activities since September. CAC meeting Charles Lavery asked about matching fund requirements for the full funding grant agreement. Eric Schottmeyer asked if there will be clarification from the MTC board regarding the effect of the DT, DTX being rated level two versus level one. We just heard a little bit about that from Mr. Van Water. Um, Mark, finally, Martin Munoz asked whether the BART to San Jose extension cost estimate increase would affect DTX standing in its request for funding. Ari Walsh gave his monthly report on facility operations. There were no questions from the CAC. And if Ari was disappointed by that, he did a great job of hiding it. Um, Alfonso Rodriguez gave the DTX <coughs> procurement schedule and work plan updates. In discussing the procurement, procurement schedule, Mr. Rodriguez focused on the civil and tunneling contract. Gabriel Chan asked if cost, cost increases, escalations are included in the financial plan. Anthony Nacor also asked a question about cost escalation. And Mark O'Dell asked how many contracting teams the staff expected to propose on the 40CT contract. Regarding the work plan update, Eric Schottmeyer asked how much the success of the grant application depends on the Caltrain ridership projections. Brian Shaw said that DTX should get money from the high-speed rail project because the electrification of it for Caltrain is a benefit to high-speed rail, too. All right, we ended with general public comment and a review of requests for upcoming presentations. Um, I'll say that, you know, I 
pass on to you the questions that different members ask. I don't provide the answers, in part because when I'm trying to write down the questions, I don't do a real good job of writing down the answers. Further, you've got a whole bunch of TJPA staff here who are well prepared to answer much more than I could hope to. So that's all I have to report. I'll look forward to seeing you November 9th. Brian, thank you very much. Maybe we can see you at the silent disco or the CAC member. Okay. <laughs> all right. Directors, any questions on the CAC report? Yes, Brian, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for the report. Thank you. At this time, I'll check for public comment in the room. Seeing none in the room, I will check online. We do have a member of the public who would like to provide comment. Moderator, if you can go ahead and let them in. Good morning, uh, Directors. Robin Robin San Jose. Um, I would just like to briefly bring to your attention that unlike Caltrain's CAC report to the Caltrain board, comments by the public are not being captured and reported to the TJPA board. And I'm hearing some really strange background noise. Thank you. Thank you, caller. I will check if there is additional public comment online. Seeing none, that concludes public comment for this item. Move on to your next. Please. All right. Directors, item seven is public comment, an opportunity for members of the public to address the authority on matters that are not on today's calendar. At this time, I'll check the room. Seeing no public comment in the room, I will check online, and it looks like we do have a member of the public who would like to provide comment. Moderator, if you can please let them in. Hello again, uh, directors. Thank you for the opportunity. I'd like to give you a brief update on uh, Brightline, Brightline West. The Brightline West workshop scheduled for September. This background is, is really, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know if you can hear me. The workshop was canceled because of the opening of the Brightline Extension to Orlando initially scheduled for Labor Day has been by three weeks. The new line was opened on September 22nd and was so successful that Brightline had to double the number of daily trips between Miami and Orlando from eight to 15 days after two weeks of operation. What is even more remarkable is that the line between Miami and West Palm Beach which have demographics similar to San Francisco to Gilroy, actually became profitable back in April against all expectations with current revenue of $553,000 per employee and climbing. This begs the question of what Brightline might achieve if they were allowed to activate the entire lower level concourse and the platform. So there is a JPA to start this conversation at the earliest opportunity in Is my time up? Okay, and potentially uh, follow that up with a presentation to the, to the board, including a proposal to mitigate or, 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 or at least 
or potentially eliminate the outrageous minimum cost projections. Thank you. Thank you, caller. I will check if there's additional public comment online. Seeing none, that concludes public comment. Okay. Uh, directors, uh, the consent calendar, uh, all, I'll go ahead and, sorry, go ahead and move on to um, the consent calendar. All matters listed um, will be acted upon by a single vote. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a member of the board or the public so request in which event the matter shall be removed from the consent calendar and considered as a separate item. Directors, I have not received any indication that a member of the board or a member of the public wishes to have any of the items considered separately. And I would just confirm that there's no public comment in the room or online. I see a member of the public with their hand online. Moderator, is that left over from the previous item? No. Okay. All right, I will go. Uh, moderator, if you can please let the caller in. Hello again, uh, directors. Thank you. And very briefly, I'd like to bring your attention to the last page in the minutes, uh, item number 13. This background is just unbelievable. The minutes did record um, the fact that I mentioned that the documentation, if there was any, was missing from the packet. What it did not record is the fact that I proposed a different approach using the $2 billion funding gap. And that seems to be Thank you, caller. Seeing no further public comment online. Thank you, Garcia. This item is for action. Is there a, a motion to approve consent? I'll make a motion to approve. Thank you, Director Forbes. Second? Second. Thank you, Vice Chair Mandelman. It's been moved and seconded to approve the consent calendar. Thank you, Chair G. All right. Um, item item 8.1 is approving the minutes of the September 14th, 2023 meeting. Item 8.2 is authorizing the executive director to execute an amendment to the agreement for landscape maintenance services with Kachina Landscape Management to extend the agreement for one year for additional compensation of up to $330,957. On the motion to approve, we have a first by Director Forbes and a second by Vice Chair Mandelman. I'll go ahead and call the vote. Um, Director Forbes. Aye. Forbes, aye. Director John Baptiste. Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Syed. Aye. Syed, aye. Director Tumlin. Aye. Tumlin, aye. Direct Vice Chair Mandelman. Pardon aye. Me. Mandelman, aye. And Chair G. Yes. G, aye. Directors. The consent calendar is approved. Go ahead and move on to your next item. Please. Thank you. Directors, item nine is approving the release of the civil and tunnel progressive design builds, also known as the 40CT request for qualifications, with the express condition that any release of the request for proposals for the 40CT or other downtown rail extension, also known as the portal construction related procurements, be conditioned on further TJPA board action 
after demonstrating full compliance with the governance blueprint stage gate one for the applicable procurement. Alfonso Rodriguez, TJPA project director for the portal is here to address you. Good morning, board members. Um, in this presentation, I'll provide an overview of our procurement process for the progressive design bill contract, which will complete design in, of our largest construction contract, and that's the civil and tunnel work and how it relates to our current Peninsula Rail MOU as extended at the end of, uh, as it was extended at the end of this calendar year, which also includes an element of the board adopted governance blueprint specifically relating to the construction procurement. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll also cover, <clears throat> I'll also cover the stage gates process in the governance blueprint, our compliance with the various requirements in that uh, first milestone. I'll discuss the risks of proceeding or not with the progressive design build request for qualifications, and then next steps in an overview of the request for proposal under development. <clears throat> I'm sorry. After this uh, presentation, we will request the board's um, consideration of uh, staff's recommendation to approve the release of the civil and tunnel progressive design build request for qualifications with the condition that releasing the request for proposal, which will follow for this contract, as well as the other construction related procurements will uh, demonstrate full compliance with the governance blueprint stage gate one for the particular procurement. So let me cover a little bit about the stage gates. Actually, I think I went off here. Um, a few months ago, the board re received a presentation on the governance blueprint and the stage gate framework component, which depicted project milestones of the portal from the start of construction uh, procurement through the, uh, through the entire construction and eventual revenue service, which is when the project opens to the public. The board adopted this governance blueprint in August. It's understood, though, that because of the multiple inputs for each stage gate, that some of the requirements might be provisionally met, depending on the particular circumstance of that condition in order to advance. Additionally, the, the Peninsula Rail MOU specifically indicated that the TJPA board would be required to approve the start of construction procurement. And that's why we're here today asking for your approval to release the RFQ. Stage gate one requirements include completing bid documents, approval of the governance blueprint, FTA approval to enter engineering, which is that first, the next phase of the capital investment new starts program, adoption of policy documents and completing the completion of third party agreements. In the next few slides, I'll go over compliance with the stage gate one inputs, but I wanted to point out that um, the TJPA board did approve the governance blueprint this past August. We have completed all the requirements of the environmental documentation, and we have completed the policy documents, which includes policy, uh, project scope, otherwise known as uh, project configuration. We've also completed our design criteria, the service plan, the master schedule, our project delivery strategy, and updated our risk register, which was reviewed in May by the FTA and PMOC, 
and confirmed. Um, we have, I think I'm off with the slides. I'm sorry, there's so many slides today. Sorry about that. We've provisionally met compliance of all the bid documents and subject to the board's action today, we will release the request for qualifications for the progressive design bill contract at the end of this month. I think I've got it now. Uh, next is entry to engineering. Um, we've submitted all the documents to the FTA for their evaluation of our request to enter engineering. We've already received positive findings on our, pro our program budget, schedule and project management capability and capacity. And we anticipate a decision from the FTA in December to grant our entry into engineering. Next is program budget. And our program budget has been set. The board approved our 20-year financial plan in August with FTA's decision to enter. And with FTA's decision to enter engineering, uh, which we expect in December, we'll also find out the dollar amount that we can expect in this capital investment grant. Now, there is a possibility that it may be less than what we're requesting in our 20-year financial plan. And in that case, we'll have to update the plan. But at this point, we've provisionally met this condition. The last of the provisionally met inputs is the 20-year financial plan. And as I just described, we're awaiting FTA's decision on our capital investment grant dollar contribution. And if it is what we asked for, then we will have fully met the plan. We'll return to the board once that information is known. So we've already adopted a number of the required third-party agreements with the exception of the Master Cooperative Agreement with Caltrain, which is expected to be completed in October of next year. In the meantime, we have established a number of specific agreements with Caltrain in order to advance the work that is required at this time so as to not cause delay in our schedule. All right, so we've either have met fully or provisionally most of the, uh, the conditions of stage gate one. And for those that are provisionally um, met, which I described, um, we did present this to the IPMT and the ESC, and they've concurred with our overall compliance of stage gate one. Next, I wanted to cover a few of the risk considerations of not advancing with stage one of the PDB, which is release of the RFQ. The first is cost, and waiting to release the RFQ until the FTA renders its decision to enter engineering, which is expected in December, introduces a delay in our master schedule of approximately two months to possibly five months. And of course, with such a delay, it would simply add to the cost of the project. In terms of funding, the significant funding provided by the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act uh, through the Capital Investment Grant provides a unique opportunity at this time to secure federal dollars for the portal project. And of course, introducing a delay at this time will have us lose our momentum, which may have us um, uh, lose our, compatibility, our, our competitive advantage that we have with our momentum um, with the grants that we are requesting at this time. And there may not be another chance um, with the climate that we're, we're in right now. The third is schedule. Our schedule allocates 18 months 
for the progressive design build contractor to complete design, conduct stakeholder coordination, integrate other contractors in the development of that design, and gain approval of construction and negotiate our construction notice to proceed. It is a year and a half. It sounds like a lot of time, but there is a lot of work that goes into that time frame. If we slip the start of the construction, the follow-on contracts will also commensurately slip, and it'll impact um, completion of our of our will impact our project completion date. And there's also our reputational risk. I do um, want to share with you that we recently had a very um, well-attended industry forum with contractors, and we've received significant contractor interest in this procurement. And the delivery team has also established a reputation for meeting our deadlines. And so delay um, by not releasing the RFQ could signal a reduced commitment to this project and adversely impact our bidder interest. In short, uh, we, um, I also wanted to add um, how we will shortlist our contractors under the RFQ. And so I'm, I'm don't have this on the slide, but I wanted to point out that we will shortlist firms based on compliance with the instructions of the RFQ to determine qualifications, more or less as a pass-fail. We will score based on qualifications of that firm and the team. We'll also, of course, check references, and based on the scoring, we'll determine those firms most qualified to advance to stage two, and they will be invited to participate and, re and receive a request for proposal. All right, so our plan over the next few months includes our work with the IPMT and ESC to complete development of the request for proposal and work through the various approvals and milestones to proceed with this release, as well as the documents to procure other construction contracts. With respect to completing the RFP, we'll continue to conduct regular development meetings, as I mentioned, with IPMT and other um, supporting um, groups. We'll We'll, um, we've also calendared uh, approval dates between now and January, and of course this assumes FTA's approval um, of our request to enter engineering. Finally, I wanted to share a high-level outline of the RFP under this development, which is under development. Our project team, um, including the IPMT and General, General and Construction Council and other uh, project development support, are hard at work at developing this document. Our RFP will also include an introduction to an introduction section identifying our project goals, our processes for development and schedule, our specific instructions to the proposals, to the proposers, including requirements for, for the technical proposal, and pricing information. We'll also indicate um, and include interviewing information and overall submission requirements. And we'll also disclose our evaluation approach and administrative and legal provisions. So I'm sorry for the rough presentation this morning. There's just so many slides. This does conclude our, my presentation, um, and I'm available to answer your questions, but this is an action item, so we'll be asking the board for approval to release the RFQ with the conditions that are stated in the resolution and, and the recommendation. Alfonso, thank you very much. Um, Adam, did you want to add something? or? 
Directors, this is, this is an exciting moment to bring them forward. Looking, we're looking forward to a 2024 uh, stage gate resolution in order to release the RFP. The progressive design build contractor would be the, the largest contract this agency lets, but it is an important milestone moving forward because uh, we'd like that contractor to help us advance design past its current 30% design and help us with things like constructability, final cost estimates, efficiency, et cetera. And as Director Rodriguez mentioned, it's about an 18-month period to develop that relationship and build the foundation of success with that contract um, and to do so on a uh, limited NTP basis such that we would only expend the large parts of that contract going forward once we have certainty with a full funding grant agreement from the FTA. Very good. Thank you. Directors, questions, comments, inquiries? Not seeing any. Um, so I'll just add one, Alfonso. In, in the um, risk slide, there, there's always that one risk between selecting a team today and if there's a delay, that team may get reassigned. So one of the inquiries on the RFQ should be the depth of the team or the firm and how they backfill or bring back that a team that we pick in the event there's a delay. I do remember you bringing up that comment earlier and we did take that into account in the um, RFP and development of the RFQ to ensure that we have some continuity if in case the unexpected happens right. and we lose some key individuals. So thank you for that input and we've taken it in um, development. And we see people moving to different firms or we see life happening like retirements and so having, making sure there's a depth, bench depth and going through a process to make sure we continue to have an A-team will be very important. We actually took that into account in the PMCM solicitation as well. Very good. Thank you. Vice Chair. Um, so, so we're moving ahead with the, with the RF, presumably we're moving ahead with, with the RFQ even with some of the um, benchmarks provisionally being met. So what are the, so I just heard kind of one risk of going forward is that you end up selecting a team and then you're not exactly positioned to use that or use those team. I mean, this is real, this isn't selecting the team, this is selecting potential teams. So what are the, how does this work? If we, if, if we find for whatever reason by January, February, that we're not actually ready to proceed. How does what happens with what have we lost, and how do we deal with that? And do we do this again in two years when we somehow have magically found additional funding that was not available in 2024? Yeah, I mean we have a few checkpoints. I mean that's one of the reasons, one of the reasons that we set up a, a two-step uh, solicitation process. We're merely releasing the RFQ which will be asking consult, uh, teams, designers and contractors, to give us their qualifications. And once we shortlist firms, we'll be releasing an RFP in February to those that are deemed most qualified. And the RFP starts a process where they invest more time and effort. You know, the, the teams will be providing us a great deal more information, some pricing information. They'll have the evaluation criteria, we, we weight it, and then Based on that, we actually recommend to this board the selected design build team. And that doesn't occur until, I, I believe, the summer. You know, So we, we will have progressed our funding plan by then. We'll have more certainty. I do want to point out, though, that when we bring the uh, recommendation to award a contract for the progressive design build team, 
we have a great deal of time of design development, so we will be um, obligating funding for the design component. And, and it's not small. I don't want to represent that. I mean, paying for design, advancing it from 30 to 60 percent at least is a significant amount. But it's not binding ourselves to construction. So we will be um, releasing an NTP-1 to the successful firm to develop design. NTP-2, which will happen um, not until we get our full funding grant agreement, will release the contractor to start construction. So we have checkpoints along the way not to get ahead of our ski tips. I think that answers your question, but if it doesn't, please let me know. Yeah, I guess I'm just wondering, you know, if, if we don't, if things don't happen as you're describing them in the RF, and we're not ready to do an RFP next year, what happens with these firms that we have pre-qualified? So if I could state that in maybe slightly different terms, the RFQ is request for qualifications. We'd like to get a number of qualified bids responding. We want to ask fairly general uh, questions that allow them to respond without significant investment of effort on their behalf, um, with the exception of asking questions like the depth of their bench, ability to weather delay, um, their experience with progressive design build, or building in financial incentives to deliver projects on time and on schedule. But generally, it's has your firm done similar projects? What is your capacity and expertise? That's a limited investment on their behalf. The big investment is the response, the request for proposals where they're actually bidding on this project and what it would take to deliver it. And in between now and the release of that RFP in the first quarter of next year, we'll have a couple of significant milestones. As has been mentioned in December, we expect to hear from the FTA about our project rating. We've been carrying an indicative rating of medium high. We expect them to concur with that and, and grant us entry into the engineering phase in, in about December. At that time, the FTA will also tell us whether they concur with our request for the 49.4% share of funding under the capital investment grant. Of course, in order to exercise a full funding grant, grant agreement and, and access that 49.4, we have to uh, acquire our matching funds. In the next couple of months, we should hear uh, two significant things. One, whether we're successful with a federal-state partnership for inner-city uh, rail around the end of the calendar year. And two, whether we're successful with a mega-grant application. As you'll see in a funding slide, we'll show you shortly, that totals about $211 million worth of federal grant assistance, which we should hear in the coming months. That would be before we would consider releasing the RFP. Releasing the RFP uh, has these firms starting to develop that detailed response to our request. Um, but then there's a many month more long period where we await those responses, score those responses, and work to select a contractor while we'll continue to advance that funding. Um, and as Alfonso mentioned, even as we've gotten through that, we plan to segment this through a series of notices to proceed, which would start with, with uh, design. Um, and then the bulk of that contract, and we're talking a $2 billion plus total contract over its life through construction, would be subsequent to a full funding grant agreement through that construction phase. So it's a, it's a, it's a period of um, uh, millions in that design phase before we get into the big bulk kind of later on. So there are a number of uh, stage gates, as, so to speak, on this particular project as well as those that we've developed through the governance process. I have a follow-up question. Is there adequate funding to pay for all of the design? And Alfonso, remind me that design lasts what duration? It goes from, it's about a year and a half. 
year and a half of design. Um, we, Mary, you're being asked to come so, up. So as Mary comes up, I think to <laughs> just amplify Director Forbes' question, do you have an estimate of the order of magnitude for NTP-1 and what is our funding available to fund NTP-1? I'll take that. Is that helpful? That's the question. I, I the same question was on my mind, so. Good morning, directors. So as um, Executive Director Vandewater noted, we do have a few decision points ahead of us um, that are discretionary funding ac actions by other parties. So we are planning on a certain amount of funding coming from those types of pots to fund the design work. If we don't receive those funds, we're gonna need to pivot to figure out what the highest priority is at that time um, to keep the design working as we're trying to secure additional funds. So there is some risk. We don't have every single dollar for design in hand at the this time, but because the design will take, go over a certain duration, we'll be working to get those funds as we proceed. I think this is an important policy question. If we will want to advance design even without the construction funds in hand. And generally speaking, I think it is worthwhile to have a design project because funding will come up if it doesn't come up this time, we hope next time. Uh, but it sounds like from your answer, we do not have adequate funding for NTP-1 at this point. So I think we want to keep a real close eye on how much we're missing, where the sources are as we move forward, and do consider as a policy body if we want to advance design even with construction risk and funding for construction uh, out as a risk for the, uh, for the agency. Director Forbes, at our last meeting, you requested a, a rolling update of our funding, which uh, we have prepared for you later in today's agenda, and um, uh, we'll give you some visuals to go along with this. But the bottom line is uh, we've looked at uh, at least three scenarios, one which we didn't get any additional awards in the coming six months. What kind of um, runway do we have from a um, cost basis in order to initiate new contracts? Two, we get every dollar we've requested, you know, rarely the case, but we can continue to cross our fingers there. And then three is the most likely scenario in between those two extremes. Um, and then we can uh, report back to you and then uh, be able to hopefully be able to advance NTP-1, which would not be until... Um, Next summer, I would say. Late summer, uh, I think, of 2024. Right. Thank you. And, and, and that is in item number 11, the portal update. You see the schedule of the funding? That Correct. So we've, we've been giving you a six-month look ahead of items coming to the board, and we're adding to that uh, a, a snapshot of where we are financially and kind of what to expect going forward with some of our current applications, which will start to frame in that picture. Um, but we'll give you a specific update between now and the request for the release of the RFP, which is the big next milestone on this contract. Other questions, directors? Director. One, one more question over here, um, and thank you for the presentation. Uh, given sort of the context within which we're talking about this, where we have probably more certainty on NTP-1, I would say, than NTP-2 at this point, but we're procuring a contract that includes both, and obviously the dollar amounts are smaller on NTP-1 and bigger on NTP-2, how are you weighing sort of the evaluation, whether it's at this stage or maybe it's at the RFP stage of the team's design teams versus the construction teams, because we're kind of buying both as a package. Uh, and I don't want to get into the specifics of, you know, scoring criteria on the RFP side of things, but just as a kind of balance between 
you know, the importance of getting the right designer, but also getting the right contractor ultimately yeah. to build it. Well, the evaluation assumes that we're marching ahead with the schedule that we outlined. So we're evaluating both the design teams and the contractors in the qualifications of the key team members and the firms. But we're evaluating the entire package, even in the RFQ and the RFP stage. And is there emphasis on one versus the other that you're kind of weighing it towards a little bit? I, you know, if you're asking about as it relates to the risk of proceeding with construction, no. You know, we're, we're evaluating both as though we are moving with the schedule we have. So I think what you're implying is there emphasis on one or the other, and, and I'm going to say no. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Any other questions, directors? Not seeing any public comment. Okay. I'll go ahead for check for public comment in the room. Seeing none in the room, and I do see a caller online. Before you let the caller in, moderator, as a reminder, if you are also streaming the meeting um, on SFGov TV, please mute um, if you're going to call in. And with that, moderator, if you can please let the caller online in. Thank you, and for the record, the background noise is coming from somebody ruffling their papers, probably Mr. Blake. Um, I'm going to reiterate what I said at the CAC. And there we go. There we go again. I cannot hear myself talk. Okay, let me just wrap up here. In closing, while I do support, I cannot hear myself talk, while I do support with these religions, various opportunities. Please stop doing whatever it is that you're doing. I believe that the RFP should be put on hold until the following issues have been resolved, regardless of the FDA recommendation. First, the $2 billion funding gap as depicted in the presentation must be addressed, preferably through value engineering resulting in the delivery of the project four years earlier. Last but not least, the quality of the RFQ responses needs need to improve significantly because these responses may be indicative of a lack of industry interest in delivering the project as currently designed. Because as I see it, currently there appears to be more interest in $3 billion in public services than $2 billion actually delivering a tunnel. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Seeing no other callers online who would like to provide public comment, this is an item for action. Thank you, board. What would the board like to do? <clears throat> I'd like to move the item, please. Thank you, Director Lipkin. Is there a second? Second, Tumlin. Thank you, Director Tumlin. Thank you with the first by Director Lipkin and second by Director Tumlin. I'll go ahead and call um, the vote. Director Forbes? Aye. Forbes, aye. Director John Baptiste? Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin? Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Syed? Aye. Syed, aye. Director Tumlin? Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. And Chair G? Yes. G, aye. Directors, item nine is approved. Move on to your next item. Directors, item 10 is 
adopting board policy number 22, conflict of interest policy for the TJPA's design build procurements for the downtown rail extension, now known as the portal. Deborah Miller, TJPA general counsel, is here to address you. Good morning, directors. Deborah Miller, general counsel. You have before you today a proposed organizational conflict of interest policy for design build procurements. As background and context for this policy, I want to remind you that the TJPA has always had a conflict of interest code that meets the requirements of the Political Reform Act and broadly applies to board members, officers, staff, as well as certain consultants who make or participate in making contracts on behalf of the agency. This policy, by contrast, is focused on contractors and specifically contractors who are interested in participating in the TJPA's design-build procurements. So the agency's existing conflict of interest policy remains intact and unchanged. Um, under this proposed policy, uh, contractors receive guidance on the kinds of work that contractors may have engaged in for the project that could give rise to a conflict of interest that would preclude them from participating in an upcoming design-build procurement. So the purpose of the policy is to give uh, clarity and guidance to contractors so they can understand uh, whether they're eligible to participate in future opportunities. The policy tracks with state law, uh, with judicial opinion, and with Fair Political Practices Commission guidance on what constitutes a conflict of interest in design-build procurements. Uh, the policy is intended to track closely, and that is not go um, be more restrictive or um, uh, uh, tighter than state law mandates. Um, and I think that that signals to the contracting community the TJPA's interest in robust competition, in design-build procurements, and in allowing um, as many companies to participate in this opportunity as possible consistent with state law. Uh, the policy was developed principally by TJPA's Construction Council uh, and took a very close look at similar policies that have been adopted by Caltrans, uh, by Caltrain, by high-speed rail, and then also uh, procurement documents issued by SFMTA for its own design-build procurements, and it, the TJPA's proposed policy tracks um, with those documents. Um, if adopted, this policy would apply to the upcoming 40CT uh, progressive design build procurement that you just um, heard about. So it would apply to that um, opportunity. That's the only currently scheduled design build opportunity um, that's in the, in the schedule. So it would apply to that one. Um, if you have any questions, happy to answer those. Um, but we are hoping to get your approval today for this policy. Thank you for that. Any questions from directors? Would you be willing to summarize the policy again? Yeah, so the policy um, is intended to indicate to contractors the kind of work that they may have done in the past that would preclude them from participating in this upcoming design-build procurement. Okay. It does not indicate contractors by name. Um, instead, it gives them guidance to say, if you did this kind mm -hmm. of work for the TJPA in the past, you likely will or will not be precluded from participating. So it's section three of the policy I see. that really lays out for the contractors. If you did X, Y, mm -hmm. 
sorts of work. Mm -hmm. Here is how to interpret um, what state law requires. Got it. Eligible to participate in this upcoming procurement. I see. So there's no, um, it's not dealing with our communications during the bidding process or blackout periods or that kind of thing. That comes later. It's principally focused on government code um, section 1090, which describes um, when an entity has a, an interest in um, a, a future procurement based on their past work. So it's principally focused on 1090 rather than um, on other sorts of bases that mm -hmm. can develop from. Those all still apply, mm -hmm. um, but this policy is principally focused on 1090. Um, in terms of process uh, after the um, proc a procurement is issued, when it's active, um, then contractors can submit a formal request for a determination um, based on state law and in this policy, um, whether they do or do not have a conflict that would preclude them from participating. So there'll be a formal process for TJPA to evaluate based on the facts and circumstances in front of us whether um, there is a particular conflict. But we do have a separate document when a RFQ or RFP or bid is released about board member communications and participation. That's right. Under the TJPA's existing procurement policy, once a procurement is active, um, which we define as when it's issued, um, then there is the, the cone of silence. Um, that is that all communications between uh, potential bidders and TJPA board members, officers, uh, and staff need to be limited to the formal channels, which is submitting a formal mm. Q&A or participating in formal proceedings rather than through informal channels. Um, and so we will um, remind the board as procurements are issued the timing. Today is the day that um, those communications are now prohibited. Not for this item, but when we consider that, I'd like us to think about having a blackout period that is longer than when the item is issued for RFP, RFP uh, because it's a known upcoming opportunity and um, and uh, those who are going to be bidding are thinking about it now and I, I would like to consider uh, limiting our communications or prohibiting communications during that period um, or considering disclosure of communications at minimum. Certainly would be happy to think about that. Uh, put some thinking into that and bring something back to the board um, for your consideration. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. <coughs> Directors, if I may, as part of my uh, ED report at the top of the meeting, we talked about building up the capacity of the finance team, including specifically around procurement. Um, and we'd like to have both in-house and potentially uh, contract supplementation to standardize some of those interactions and responses so that we, all contractors and potential bidders have access to the same information through a very rigid procurement process. Very good. Thank you. Any other questions, directors? Public comment, Carson. Okay, I will go ahead and check for public comment in the room. Seeing none in the room, I will check online. Seeing no public comment online. That concludes public comment for this item and it is an action item. If I have a first uh, motion to move. Directors who would like to make a motion one way or the other. I move approval. Thank you, Director Forbes. First by Forbes. Second. Second by no. Director John Baptiste. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. 
uh, directors, when I call your name, please provide your vote. Uh, Director Forbes? Aye. Forbes, aye. Director John Baptiste? Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin? Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Syed? Aye. Syed, aye. Director Tumlin? Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. And Chair G? Yes. G, aye. Directors, item 10 is approved. Move to your next item. Great. Directors, San Fran, uh, item 11 is the San Francisco Peninsula Rail Program Executive Steering Committee update and status of the downtown rail extension now known as the Portal Work Plan Schedule and Funding Update. Tilly Chang, ESC Vice Chair, will provide the update, followed by Alfonso Rodriguez, TJPA Project Director for the Portal, who will provide the status of the schedule, and Executive Director Vanderwater, who will provide status of project funding. Good morning, Chair G, Directors. Uh, the Portal team this month continues to collaborate on several fronts, and I'm pleased to report our progress on behalf of Chair Bouchard and the ESC. Um, as Director Vanderwater mentioned, the Portal project team made significant uh, uh, submittal to the FTA in September, completing all the required documentation to complete it, uh, FTA's readiness review. Last week, we did uh, receive that FTA oversight consultant concurrence with our requested readiness, which is a strong signal for receiving the portal's project rating and entry into engineering soon. Um, as Director Vanderwater noted, we do hope for a medium-high rating um, with, in the December timeframe. Also, um, in September, uh, we were so pleased to join Chair G, as well as our Vice, Ch our, uh, Vice Chair Mandelman, as well as our Vice Chair Melgar at the TA and Supervisor Dorsey for the Caltrain Electrification Project. Want to again extend congratulations to that team, Supervisor Dorsey in particular, who is the uh, home supervisor for that uh, part of town, noted the opportunity to bring high-speed rail and Caltrain into Salesforce Transit Center with excitement uh, as regards the portal project. Thank you also goes out to FTA Region 9 Administrator, Ray Tellis, who was able to join us for that day. Our work to secure the portal funding within the region um, and state continues. Uh, the TA board this month programs uh, $18 million in funding to the MTA bus overhaul program, SFMTA bus overhaul program, an equivalent amount which will be now committed to the portal uh, through an RTIP fund exchange subject to the MTC and California Transportation Commission approvals of these actions by early next year. Uh, we also continue to work together closely with MTC on its major advancement policy and uh, by partisan infrastructure law endorsement framework, uh, which does speak to the region's priorities for federal and state grants. Our two most recent ESC meetings focused on the progressive design build uh, request for qualifications, which you just acted on today. Thank you so much for the civil and tunnel progressive design build contract. Um, following significant work by the project team and integrated project management team, the ESC did conduct uh, two detailed meetings to go over the readiness of the RFQ and the RFP that would follow consistent with the terms of the Stage Gate 1 uh, governance blueprint framework. The ESC did conclude that uh, Stage Gate 1 requirements are being sufficiently met to, uh, to move through these stages and the release of the RFQ. Um, so we're very happy that, um, again, we'll be able to do that, noting your guidance on the prior item. We also further recommend that project staff return to the ESC and the board with a report of all the stage gate compliance for the approval of future construction uh, RFP releases, including for the construction manager slash general contractor contracts that will follow the civil contract later uh, next year. Those would be for the track systems, track and systems, excuse me, and station fit outs. 
Um, we will also be continuing to work on the detailed funding plan and strategy to fill that uh, remaining gap in our local matching funds as well as the successor MOU. Uh, that concludes our report and I'll now turn it over to Director Rodriguez uh, for the look ahead schedule. Actually, we have a few slides. Um, I'll go over the look ahead and then I'll turn it over to Adam for some of the funding slides. Um, we are showing uh, actions that will be going before the board in the next six months. In November, we've, it's going to be a busy agenda. Uh, we have several items come to the board. I did mention earlier that we expect to have a, a master cooperative agreement with Caltrain adopted next year, but in the meanwhile, there will continue to be certain specific agreements that we will require um, and ask the board to adopt that allow us to continue our work with Caltrain, one of which is uh, the, an amendment to a memorandum of understanding having to do with the work we're doing with Caltrain, designing and, and staging the relocation um, of infrastructure on the rail yard. That'll go before the board in November. We um, will also be bringing in November an action for the board to consider that makes minor modifications to the project delivery contracting scope and strategy that the board adopted actually a, almost two years ago uh, known as the Project Delivery Alternative Study. These are born out of our conversations with Caltrain and other work that we're progressing. So those modifications will be presented to the board. Um, in November also, we will be re asking the board to consider requesting RM3 funding from the MTC. The MTC will also, if the board approves that item, will be considering that item in November. Um, we will be bringing before the board the draft relocation impact study two times. There will be an, a presentation of that study in November. In December, we will be asking the board to act on that. Um, also in December, we will be bringing um, an action on the successor MOU. As you recall, the board extended the existing MOU to the end of this year. Uh, we are, though, working through IPMT and eventually the ESC on this item. So there will be some form of action that we will need to bring before the board in December, if not the full successor MOU. Um, I mentioned earlier in my presentation that we will be uh, releasing an RFP subject to what was just mentioned, uh, full compliance of the stage gate for milestone one. Uh, we expect to bring to the board in January uh, an item asking for your approval to release that RFP. We also expect in January for the board to consider release of an RFQ for the contract known as the CMGC, the Construction Manager General Contract, for systems and track work and station fit out. Um, the item known as baseline budget and schedule in February has to do with providing a greater level of detail of the um, project program budget, actually allocating uh, budgets to the respective construction contracts and professional services contracts and greater detail on the schedule. We're not proposing to change the, um, the overall project cost and, and schedule. We're just adding detail and asking the board to consider a baseline so that we can manage the project going forward. That's expected in February. And then finally in February, uh, we are gonna be asking the board to consider awarding our program manager, construction manager contract. I'm happy to say that we did receive three proposals. Um, so the evaluation panel is reviewing them. Um, and after we, can, we finish that evaluation, we expect to bring that item before the board in February for your consideration. Now that concludes our look ahead. I'm gonna go to the next slide and ask Adam to cover funding, unless there are any questions on this one at this time. 
Not seeing any. Adam? Adam? Great. Directors, I'm conscious we may want to move this up in the agenda as it already already come up at least twice in today's conversation um, and is a big topic of our focus, which is closing that funding gap uh, and moving us towards a full funding grant agreement to get us into construction. So if we could open uh, the first slide, we um, have reported to the board previously, and this is unchanged, the project's total cost of $8.2 billion to the FTA. That is inclusive of previous investments dating back to 2010 to pre-construct the train box. You'll recall the FTA uh, has granted us the ability to use that $729 million as part of our matching funds, um, so it's important to include it here. Um, but it can be misleading that we have an $8.2 billion project when really looking forward, it's more like 7.5. Uh, so you see that slice here at the bottom of the graph kind of pulled out of the pie chart, but uh, inclusive of the total at 8.2. Including the request we uh, intend to make to the capital investment grant uh, program of 49.4% or $4.078 billion, and that phase one investment from 2010 of $729 million plus our committed and budgeted sources. Committed is those budget, uh, those funds that we have uh, on hand. Budget are those that uh, need no additional uh, discretionary approval but are not yet in uh, an account. We are at 76% funded on the project, um, a little over three-fourths of the way there. The yellow is what we are focused on going forward, which is uh, consists of two. You heard me uh, previously speak to the current applications. This is the Federal State Partnership for Inner City Rail and the mega grant applications, both under the Federal Infrastructure Bill. Um, we have applied alongside our friends at High Speed Rail for Federal State and hope that we are both successful um, sometime in the coming months uh, with a $97 million ask. And then the mega is likely to be sometime thereafter, first quarter of next year is, is, is my expectation um, for the remainder of that 211. The planned potential um, is, is not an insignificant number, um, but is um, composed of a number of sources at the local, regional, state, and federal level. Um, and that's what we are looking to um, address to keep this on schedule and, and get your authority to release things like the upcoming RFP and, and uh, NTPs. If we can go to the next slide, we'll focus a little bit about our progress in meeting the matching funds. Um, Colors are a little faint here, but on the far left here, uh, you see the previous commitments, which is the inclusion of that $729 million for the train box, as well as local committed sources that date back many years. Um, and there's been a bit of a, a pause in the accumulation of funding until recently. Um, so I'm pleased to report that in the yellow, that, or the green there, uh, you see progress just in uh, the last year and a half um, as we've gotten release of several significant funding sources, starting with uh, voter approval of Proposition L, the extension of Prop K's half-cent sales tax, uh, many of whom here were very instrumental in passing, um, and uh, that in combination with its predecessor, uh, Prop K, um, uh, brings us to a little over the $1.5 billion uh, mark. We, recently, we also got release of uh, Regional Measure 3 bridge toll funds from the state Supreme Court, um, which is shown here as Regional Measure 3. And then, as we've previously reported, we uh, were the recipient of $60 million in transit intercity regional capital program funds. And as previously mentioned by Vice Chair Chang uh, from the ESC report, $18 million in regional transportation improvement uh, program funds. In addition to other local budgeted sources, we are over halfway towards our funding um, gap here and showing progress. Um, I hope this takeaway shows you that we are on a path to success 
um, but we still have the remainder here um, shown in orange on the right side of the graph to, um, to get to that $4 billion uh, matching requirement. That includes that $211 million in grant applications um, and an estimated cost at the local, state, and federal level um, that we'll be working to uh, solve in the coming months. So we look forward to your continued support and those from our state and federal uh, representatives uh, as we work to close that gap. Again, per our accelerated work schedule, um, our goal is to execute a full funding grant agreement, which means the identification of all these funds by the spring of 2025. Um, and any delay in doing so would incur some additional um, escalation costs, uh, which is the path that we're on today. So we will update this, this slide or try to uh, uh, show it in more detail as we move forward and, and perhaps move it to the head of the agenda as this is a major topic of conversation within the, the team. Questions on funding? Questions, directors? Director Forbes? I just appreciate it, put it being put together in this manner. I think it's extremely helpful. Thank you. Any other questions, directors? Director Tumlin. Uh, I would also say that it clarifies that the time for this project is right now. And I respect the assessment of risk around moving forward with design, even in advance of 100% of the funding being put together because the likelihood has never been greater about closing that gap, uh, particularly given the work that you've done, getting the train box um, included as uh, a, a financial contribution in order to meet the uh, local contribution threshold. I appreciate that. I, I, I often think of this in Dickensian terms. It's sort of the best of times and the worst of times. It is the best time to be doing this. We have uh, uh, a lot of political support and momentum with staff at the FTA. Uh, it's an excellent time to be initiating a contract uh, for construction downtown to bring uh, the staff downtown to do that at a time when there is less conflict there and to be investing in downtown. Um, but it also can be challenging given everybody's funding picture and the competition for some of those funds. Other questions, directors? I would concur with the recommendation. Given that the actions that we've taken today and are pending in the next six months to move this up earlier in the agenda so we can see where we are with the financial risk as we take subsequent actions. Important. Fingers crossed we'll have some positive news to report in the coming months from our current uh, grant applications. That's a great way to reduce risk. Let's get more <laughs> money. <laughs> Very good. This was just for an information item, so I think that concludes the business of our regular agenda, but we do have a closed session. We check for public comment yes, before please. we move into closed session. Uh, so I'll go ahead and check for public comment in the room. <coughs> mm -hmm. On item 11, pardon me, thank you. Checking for public comment in the room for item 11. Seeing none in the room, I will check online. We do have a member of the public online who would like to provide comment. Moderator, if you can please let the caller in. Thank you, um, directors. I appreciate the conversation. And believe me, I do understand that this is the right time to ask for funding. But there never is a right time to build the wrong project. So very briefly, I'd like to take you back to 2018. And there we go again. Where we made this fatal decision to have the third track. 
that third track was subsequently eliminated in the 2022 SEIR. But what didn't happen in the SEIR when that track got dropped is that the Trimble alternative was not reintroduced. And that's unfortunate because the central subway was delivered on time and on budget in eight months for $300 million. But what the SCI also did not consider is that the three volt alternative would result in the elimination of the two mid-tunnel ventilation structures, every single impact to the fourth speed rail yard, the central subway, the sixth street sewer, the new new operations on town and townsend, etc. So that that concludes my remarks. But through the chair, I would really appreciate if the DTX ESC report could be appended to the packet. Thank you. Thank you, caller. no other uh, public comment online. That concludes public comment for this item. And we will now, uh, before clearing, check the room for public comment prior to going into closed session on the item scheduled for discussion. Thank you. Seeing none in the room, I will check online. We do have a member of the public online who would like to provide comments. Moderator, if you can please let the caller in. Thank you. And the only comment I would like to make with regards to our closed session item is that if it, if it wasn't for this low would some people to it's like that one. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Seeing no further public comment online. That concludes public comment. <laughs> So the board will be moving into closed session. Deborah, do we, do you have an estimate how long we're gonna be and do we need, we'll be reporting out shortly after that? We would estimate um, 10 minutes um, and I do not expect that there'll be any report out of closed session, but Neela thinks that maybe closer to 30 minutes. Yeah, I think okay. 10 minutes right. might be a little short, so <laughs> maybe 15 to 20 minutes, how's okay. that? Okay, with that, uh, the, the board will, um, go into closed session. So thank you very much for those that attended this morning for open session. TV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. Okay, the TJPA Board of Directors is now um, in, back in regular session, and there is no um, information to report, action to report, pardon me. Thank you, Carsey. That concludes the business of the board for today, October 12th. Meeting adjourned. Everyone be safe, be well, and we'll see you in November. Thank you. Thank you.